0: With you today, ninety minutes, and at five thirty, we're going to be bringing you UTEP football with Dana Dimmel, John Teicher. will be live at Hudson's Grill, seventeen seventy Lee Trevino, for that show. Chihuahuas baseball at six thirty tonight. They're in Albuquerque. We're not even on the air tomorrow because they're playing a doubleheader at four, so no show tomorrow. Here's the crazy thing: it's rivalry week. We've got ninety minutes today, and then we've got two and a half on Thursday, and I mean, we'll um, have uh, – Friday's show is going to be so crazy. We're going to be out for like an hour and a half from 3 to 4.30 because we've got football Friday night, the kickoff show at 4.30. Chihuahua's at 5.30 on Friday. Am I correct on that?
1: You're exactly right, Steve. God, a lot of early start starts. Telling. Yeah. What's I up mean... with
0: Albuquerque? What the heck, Albuquerque? Why do you have baseball games starting at 5.30 on a Friday night?
1: Great point, Steve. Uh, one of my things is I know that they had to make up some of the games. That's why we have a doubleheader set for tomorrow, starting at four o'clock here, six hundred ESPN, El Paso. But yeah, because of all these midseason makeup games, we're having to uh, reap those th- those uh, ramifications right here as this week continues late
0: in the season for Chihuahua's baseball. Yeah, they're not doing us any favors. Let's put it that way. They're not doing us any favors this week for shows because we're going to have very short programs this week, which means, hey, um, we've got to get as much content in over the next 90 as possible. we got to jam-pack it. NFL starts in two days. This weekend is the first week of the NFL season. And uh, as I mentioned, Utah played Oklahoma on Saturday. We've got our thoughts for that. Do we... Do we um, by any chance, do we have um, – I didn't even ask you about this earlier. And I don't want to put you on the spot. you want a minor spots.
1: talk mashup, right? Do we have it? You know, I'll be honest with you, Steve. We uh, didn't get as much callers this time for minor talk as okay. we did our first one. So it's a lot of me and Sal. I'll I'll give you two of the best callers that we had in our next segment. I have it ready to go. I just need to uh, load up my email and fire it up. But, uh, okay. yeah, we, I, we got two good calls, and it's polar opposites. One's very positive. It's from one of our regular callers, Ed. One was a very oh, negative please. caller uh, from one of our callers in Ron. So, uh, yeah, actually, Twitter Spaces did real well this weekend. We got more people on Twitter Spaces than we did over the phone.
0: I enjoyed Twitter Spaces. I thought that was fun. I was a part of that, um, which was really cool. By the way, um, you know, you went on Twitter Spaces, like, during the post game show, which wasn't bad because you were getting, like, early reaction, which is probably good because people, once they get used to Twitter Spaces, that's going to be, like, the pre game show.
1: That's right, yeah. It's a place where people can hang out ahead of minor talk. Yep. So uh, we get a lot of tweets during the postgame show. People don't, um, you know, I, I get it. This past weekend there was a ton of college football on all across the board. I mean, even there was one going on during minor talk in Houston and UTSA that we were trying to follow here while also trying to host the show. But, yeah, I get it. And I, I know that people wanted to react as soon as uh, the game ended. So as soon as uh, we heard from Coach Dana Dimmel, it was time to hop on the Twitter space and I appreciate everybody chiming in on social media and get ready for the, that pre-show before Minor Talk hit the airwave.
0: Let's just, in, in a nutshell, since we have such an abbreviated show today, we'll sum up Oklahoma as quickly as possible, okay? Uh, and I said a lot of this on the Twitter Spaces post-game show before Minor Talk even came on the air. When Oklahoma scored their first three uh, touchdowns, I thought they were going to score a, between 70 and 100 points. I didn't think Utah was going to stop them the entire game. And then they started to make adjustments, and then they started to score, and then they started to play some defense. And up until the end of the first half, I'll tell you right now, it wasn't bad, folks. This, I mean, really, the Miners, they did what they had to do, and they made it relatively interesting. Much more interesting than any of us thought it would be. Not saying they had a chance, they had no chance. But they were down 28-10 at halftime, and it could have been 28-13. It could have been 28-17. They were moving the ball until that last drive and that, that last sack that, that Hardison took. And you want to know something? It was pretty impressive. Um, I am not impressed with Oklahoma's defense, and I think they are going to give up a ton of points this year. And uh, they are not the ninth-ranked team in the country. By any stretch. And Dylan Gabriel, as good as he looked in those first three drives, looked rather ordinary when the minor defense started to make adjustments to him. Okay? But there were times where, in this game, I thought UTEP was competitive. And that is all minor fans asked. And by the way, they weren't competitive in the fourth quarter. They were competitive in the second quarter. Big difference. Because if you're competitive when... Uh, they take out their starters and they're bringing in their second and third teamers and you're still playing with your first teamers. Well, you know, the game's already over by then, but they were making it interesting. They didn't give up. They didn't do what they usually do, which is just get annihilated uh, from the outset and never even show a pulse. They did. They had a pulse problem is, Adrian, when they went into the locker room down 28-10, well, then they uh, they gave up, you know, 17 points in the second half, and the offense had some chances. They only were able to get a field goal in the final 30 minutes.
1: Yeah, it seems like, this, it seems like reoccurring issues, at least early on into the season. Number one, can't complete drives. Number two, uh, you know, allowing way too many sacks. Uh, number three, allowing way too many rushing yards against your opponents. And uh, number four, not being able to run the football effectively. I know that uh, the argument against UTEP running the ball this past weekend from the coaching perspective was that they didn't try to run the ball that hard. They they came from a passing uh, perspective. But, Steve, this is the yep. weekend. I, I mean, I'm not trying to jump to Battle of I-10 just yet, but this is the weekend where UTEP has to establish the run 100%. against the Aggies in the Battle of I-10. They have to get their ground game going.
0: 100% agree. Now, let me say this about Gavin Hardison. I'll take 62% completions without a pick any day of the week, okay? Gavin still hangs on to the ball too long at times. We know that. But Gavin played well. This was not his fault. In fact, I thought he played better against Oklahoma than he did against North Texas, to be 100% honest with you. So, you know, that was a positive. But you're 100% right. This team has to run the ball. The reason why Gavin is throwing 48 attempts in one game and 42 attempts in the second game is they can't run the football. And if you're UTEP and you're a, and that's one part of your identity, you got to be able to show you can do it. And if they can't run the ball against New Mexico State, something is really wrong with this season. Because the Aggies got beat 38-0 on the road to Minnesota. Their offense looked awful, uh, really, in this contest. And that's another problem. So, you know, you look at this for both teams. And there's a reason why the oddsmakers have Miners as a 14-point favorite right now. Because they know that UTEP is still a team that can win six or more football games. This is not going to be the case, the case in year one for Jerry Kill. This is a rebuilding year. This is a rebuilding team. And it's going to take him a few years. He's not going to be able to turn this around right out of the gate. But still, Battle of I-10 is huge for both teams. Because if Jerry Kill beats the Miners in El Paso, then that would be, first, it's his first rivalry win. And number three, let's be honest, number two, it's a bonus. It's an added bonus. Because nobody really is expecting it. I don't even know if the Aggie fans are expecting it. And if you're the Miners, you have to win this game. You must. You cannot go 0-3 to New Mexico. Because then you're probably going to be 0-5. So you cannot... That that cannot happen. This is an absolute must-win game for UTEP on Saturday. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. The Miners have to win, and it would be nice if they did it in dominating fashion and looked impressive as they head into the game next weekend against New Mexico.
1: One of the things that I found over this weekend is, uh, and something that a lot of people already know, so I'm not telling everybody, anybody any kind of breaking news, but Conference USA is bad. I mean, the, you had Charlotte losing to a team like William and Mary. You had FIU uh, nearly lose to an FCS team like Bryant. Uh, yeah, sure, you had UTSA compete against Houston, who's a ranked team, but they lost ultimately in that game. And and you look at other teams like Louisiana Tech getting blown out against Missouri. You had Rice getting killed against USC. I get it. These are better teams right there. But Ohio, you're telling me a team out of the MAC who beats out Florida Atlantic. They're not a better team than FAU. And, and they proved it that day. And same with James Madison beating Middle Tennessee. Point is, Steve, I look at this UTEP uh, schedule and a lot of people wanted to press the panic button already after the North Texas loss. Across Conference USA, I don't see a lot of great teams, but you still need to stack up as many wins as you can, which brings us to the Battle of I-10. There's no question about it. UTEP has way more to lose in this game than they have to gain. And one of the simple things, at least in my perspective, to do is is go out there and beat the Aggies. Because if you don't, then these winnable games that I was talking about earlier on, they don't become as winnable going forward into the season because they become must-win games week after week. And UTEP can't get in a situation like that. You can't rely on this team to do uh, oh you can't rely on this team to win when they
0: need to uh you know to keep bowl contention possible hundred percent hundred percent so since we only have till 5 30 today we have no show tomorrow let's take as many calls as we can between the next uh, hour and 15 minutes or so let's do it let's just rock the calls out and we'll get as many as we can get in okay our phone number is 505 six zero zero nine that is 505. 505- six zero zero nine you can tweet the show at six hundred e s p n El Paso. We've got awards to give out as well. We'll hand those out today on the program and uh, we'll get you ready for uh, John when he joins us bottom of next hour with Dana Dimmel. all right let's go first to Rob. He'll kick us off on this Tuesday edition of the program. Rob, thanks for the call. How are you
2: I'm doing good uh, thanks for taking my call sure um i i'm I don't know in my whole um you know, I'm 30 years old, so 20 years of cheering for UTEP. I don't think I've ever been so confused as right now as I don't know um, what to expect because I, I was sour on UTEP, and they played a lot better against the Sooners than they did against North Texas, and there was uh, signs of promise. But, like, what I thought of North Texas, I'm still so salty about that. They they should have been more competitive
3: mm-hmm.
2: uh, to, lose, to lose 31-13. And that team is exactly who I thought they were. They went the next week and got pummeled by SMU.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, listen, North Texas is not a good football team. There is no sugar, you, you cannot sugarcoat this. They are not a good football team. They will be lucky to win six or more and go to the postseason.
2: And what concerns me about, you know, UTEP is, uh, you know, lack of running game. I think the last two second half, uh, zero points against North Texas and I think three against Oklahoma. So it's, Three points in four quarters yep. to the end the game. Yep. Bad um, and uh, no real offensive weapons other than uh, Flores, who's really nice. But uh, once teams start bracketing him and trapping him, someone else is going to have to emerge. Well, uh,
0: listen, Tyron Smith, I thought, uh, despite the fact that he dropped a few early, came back, had a pretty decent game. Kelly Akari can catch the football. Um, we've seen a little bit, a little bit of Ballard, not a ton. A, you know, I think more than two receivers will emerge this year, but you're right. I mean, Flores has been the guy for them when it comes to having that possession receiver.
2: Yeah, and he can't do it all. No. Um, they need to get the running game involved. Um, and then the, the other concerning thing is the pass rush is supposed to be the strength of the team, and... Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they have one sack up until this point.
0: That's correct, but you got to realize something. In the first three drives, you saw how quickly Dylan Gabriel was getting rid of the football. It's difficult when the guy gets rid of it that fast to sack somebody. But when he wasn't able to make his first read and the Miners having a little bit of an opportunity, they did get to him. They pressured him a little bit, which was good. I'm more concerned with the Miners' defense against the run that's the bigger thing to me. Uh, Look, I'd love to see the sacks, like you said, but the run-stopping is something that's also got to happen.
2: Yeah, exactly. And the last thing I'm going to say is about the Aggies. Um, You know, I don't want to have too many takeaways from the Minnesota game, but they played Nevada really tough, and Nevada just went to Texas State and demolished them. The Aggies have shown me that they are competitive, and, and I don't know about that. 14. I think UTEP will be lucky to win by a touchdown, but I I don't know about double digits.
0: Me neither. I mean, that's a good point, Rob. Appreciate the phone call. Adrian, I, I even wrote a story today about the rivalry and talked about all the social media that UTEP's doing right now, getting Jordan Palmer and Lee Mays to promote the game and hype it up. Uh, 14 seems like a lot to me.
1: Yeah, it does. I also think that if uh, New Mexico State really wants to be competitive in this one, it's staring right at him. It's Gavin Frakes at the quarterback spot, not Diego Pavia. Don't juggle between two quarterbacks. You know the guy. It's Frakes. He is yep. your better passer. It just depends on what they want to do against UTEP.
0: Let's take Orley, then we'll go to Br- Break as we continue here on Sports Talk. Orly, what's happening? Not
4: much, Steve. How about you?
0: Doing all right, Orly.
4: Say okay. You know, I like the spread on fourteen. I think UTEP's going to have to come out and get their fan base back, and they've got to do with a sounding defeat. The next two games are key for UTEP. Those are two teams that are that are winnable games.
0: Hundred percent.
4: But yeah, you bring it back to two games. Okay. If you're on a are on a Friday night, you'll get your fan base back. i got a pet peeve. I really, it, it's been on my mind, and we see this every year, Steve. Okay, the game was out of reach, I understand, but I met somebody for dinner at Jason's Deli on the west side. they got a TV on, and they've got the Cincinnati-Arkansas game on. And I go, how oh, that game been on? Well, oh, we had it all dude. Why aren't you putting the UTEP game on? That's a local team. If you want, I mean, it drives me crazy that these establishments, bars, restaurants, they don't if UTEPs, put at least one of the TVs on to UTEP.
0: I don't get it. I mean, the game was on, the game was on Fox National. It's not even like the game was hard to find. It was on Fox, for crying out loud.
4: That's what I'm getting at. There's no excuse for them not having it on. And our establishment, you know, people talk, no, we want you to introduce, we this. Well, you know, establishments, bars, restaurants, put the minor game on. Yeah. Don't have Arkansas, Cincinnati. And I told the manager, well, I didn't know the game was on. You live in El Paso? Yes. And you, have, you listen to the news at night? Yes. Then you should have no excuse. Don't make an excuse. I told him, point blank, you're making an excuse. Bottom line is know your know your people well, know your your customers. A lot of UTEP fans. This irritates, and I, I, I can't blame UTEP. They've been advertising. It's been on TV, so uh, they need to get these establishments, these bars, restaurants, put a couple of UTEP games on. Even if it's ESPN Plus, you can still put it on your TVs. Yeah,
0: yeah. No,
4: I know. You go to you go to other colleges, even up at New Mexico State. All their bars and restaurants have the game to the Yankees.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. And I don't
4: understand this. So if Jason does want to get mad and go right ahead. You did wrong. And I get these other establishments tell town that didn't do it. That's my
0: pet peeve. Appreciate the call. All right. 18 past. Orly's pet peeve is out of the way. We've got more coming up right after Charlie won. Just 90 minutes today, which means we will have three traffic updates starting with this one. Back here on Sports Talk as we continue 22 past the hour. 505-6009 is our telephone number. Tweet the show, 600 ESPN El Paso on Twitter, just like Alexa D. did. A loss against NMSU would push the program back another 40 years. Ha, she tweets. Must win for UTEP. Paul Marmalejo tweets the show. Bowl eligibility sucks. Now, I said that North Texas is going to have a tough enough time just becoming bowl eligible after watching that game. I mean, they're listen. That is not a good football team. We know that. They came in here and beat the Miners because the Miners gave them enough gifts where they finally took advantage of it. Um, you know, UTEP is 0 two, but as Orley mentioned, they can easily be two and two now. What's really interesting to me is the same night UTEP plays New Mexico State. New Mexico has to play Boise State. Now you want to talk about uh, a game that will probably be um, a much more accurate indication of what the Lobos can do? That is a home game against Boise. You know the Lobos haven't made this year. They beat Maine forty-one nothing. They host Boise and then they host UTEP, so they get three home games to start the season. Three of them. And Boise is coming into this one point favorites after losing to Oregon State 34-17. That
1: so, game wasn't even close, Steve, by the way. That game, no, they were I getting didn't. killed, absolutely killed by Oregon State.
0: Yeah, they did. They did. So... Um I thought they were up early though. Weren't they up
1: like seven nothing? No, they were getting shut out early. Really, I mean that really? was, yeah, it was bad. It looked ugly. And I thought that, you know, it was like mm, you're right. Yeah, it was 24-0 it was, nothing at halftime. Yeah, it was really bad uh for Bachmeyer for that Aranda led team by Boise State. And you know, I was expecting them to compete in that game. I picked them in our Sun Bowl weekly challenge, and uh <sighs> yeah, they let me down big time.
0: You went four out of ten.
1: How'd you how'd you get to Six this out before 10. I get to, to this? Uh I wanted to stand in front of my horrible week. Oh uh yeah, Steve. The uh, West Virginia Pick game was a heartbreaker for me. Mm. There was a lot of heartbreakers, but uh yeah, that, that one for sure. Uh losing losing that one, not even close oregon state killing boise state
0: we'll talk to bernie on thursday when we recap our picks but uh for one week i'm out in front of everybody so that i'm I'm happy about that i got a little breathing room on you and i've got a little breathing i got one game on bernie so that's okay okay i like And by the way i'm not i'm not exactly proud of myself six and out of ten that's over 500 but it's still not not exactly it's not eight or nine out of ten
1: I tried to reach a little bit with some of my picks. Uh, that won't happen this week. I'm going to pick with, uh, with my brains. You're going chalk? Yeah, definitely. All right. I'm going to be safe.
0: Happy to hear that. That is awesome. All right. Uh, meanwhile, you want to tweet the show like uh, Alexa and Paul did, you can do so. 600 ESPN El Paso on Twitter. You agree, by the way, that if you lose to New Mexico State, now obviously it's not going to set the program back 40 years, but it's going to set the program back in a huge way.
1: I would tell you this, that I think that there is zero chance that you, if that's the case, there's zero chance UTEP gets the fans excited for this season, no matter what. I mean, you're, you're trying to get UTEP fans excited about FIU uh, in October or November. Like, no way, that's not going to happen. But uh, I, I will say this, Steve, despite the, uh, the non-conference the non record, whatever it ends up being, UTEP has a very winnable conference USA schedule in front of them. I mean, the, uh, the teams across this league are not good whatsoever. They struggled this weekend it didn't look good for an opening weekend for conference usa teams so i'm not a believer whatsoever in this conference usa
0: oh it's it's garbage so i'm with you on that one i mean they don't play really the toughest teams so they got lucky there and by the way i watched that utsa houston game that was unbelievable three overtimes over the weekend and it looked like utsa was going to win And then, do you like the idea that in the third overtime, you go to two-point conversions only?
1: You know, I had this long debate over the weekend, and at first I was like, no way! Like, come on! Let them them have an opportunity to actually put a drive together. But then I really thought about it. I love it. Like, it's a perfect uh, point of madness for both teams at that point. I mean, they've already been through two overtimes where they had opportunities to uh, put this one away. So now you give it, it's just one play out of your playbook, your best play, two yards, you just have to get this one. I i I like this now that I, I thought about it uh, at length and I had a debate with my family members over the weekend. What do you think about it?
0: I mean, listen, if you're trying to not, I, I like the idea of having six or seven overtime games that just go on forever and you give teams more than one play to try to punch it in after two overtimes. But I guess if you're really just trying to end the game, it's the easiest way to end the game, you know? You're not really trying to prolong it with a two-point conversion versus a series from the 25-yard line like you do during the first two overtimes.
1: Sure, and also those first two overtimes, oftentimes those end up just being field goals or it's just a lot of time wasted for uh, a, a easy, quick touchdown drive or something like that when it's all said and done. So I like the fact that you just have to pull out the best play in your playbook in that triple overtime. Uh, you know, scenario
0: absolutely uh, Adrian at uh, Enemy Win the Number Three tweets the show Steve, what is the tailgate policies for RV parking? UTEP doesn't seem to have answers. I was told that they were selling like a season RV pass. I'm willing to bet that they could also do game by game. But I'm not 100% sure what the per-game price is for RV tailgating at UTEP games.
1: Yeah, I'm not too sure about that one either. I do know that uh, we've been getting questions regarding like uh, tailgate passes, parking passes, RV passes, left and right. So, uh, yeah, I think we got to get to the bottom of this.
0: Yeah, I would figure that that is definitely something that needs to be a, uh, a good answer. Now, I will say this. I'm looking at parking information. For the 2022 UTEP season. And let me see if there is anything. Here it is. It says RV parking available. Season and single game prices vary. So the RV lots are like, you know, I guess it's SB2 is one, SC1 is another one, which is like Sumble Drive near a Spur 1966. SB2 is just a Sun Bowl drive right by the roundabout. Um, those are, and then they've got also SB5, which is Sun Bowl drive kind of closer to the stadium. That seems to be, and then SB7 is another one, which is Sun Bowl drive, which is near the Haskins Center. Those seem to be the RV lots. Um, and they had a season pass, and then they also had a, um, you know, a single game pass. So that is kind of interesting. And by the way, let me see if I can find the parking prices for, here we go, single game tickets and parking is what it says. So maybe you can find parking for the New Mexico State game. Let me see here. Um, I'm going to keep looking for this, Adrian, see if I can get get parking prices because I am now, now I'm kind of interested to see what the parking prices are for RVs, aren't you?
1: Yeah, I definitely am. I mean, this is good information that we can relay to our listeners. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on this. Okay,
0: I'll uh, work on the details while you handle Sports Center, since it is the bottom of the hour here on 600 ESPN El Paso. Um, all right, this is interesting. Um, I, I went, I saw the pricing for parking, but it doesn't mention anything about RVs. Uh, let me see here, RV. Okay, this is according to the UTEP fan guide. I'm just going to read you exactly what it says. RV parking is offered in several parking lots for football games, uh, for football game days, including SC1, SB2, SB5, SB7, and GR2 upon purchase of an RV pass prior to game day. Passes are available on a season and single game basis. For additional information about RV parking, including prices and regulations, please contact the Eisenberg Family Ticket Office, by calling 747-UTEP or emailing tickets at utep.edu. So there you go. There's um, five areas to park. You can buy a single pass, but I don't have pricing information because UTEP doesn't give it. So just call 747-UTEP and find out, and then you'll get an answer.
1: Sure, and it's probably different game by game, right? I mean, Battle of I-10 prices might be different than Conference USA prices. Who knows?
0: I don't know. I don't know. Um, I can't even remember how many how the RVs were doing for the uh, North Texas game because it was so rainy. I don't know. I mean, they probably were fine, but we were too busy just trying to stay dry.
1: Yeah, exactly. I was I was busy trying to park and get into the stadium before getting all my equipment wet. And so yeah, no, that's exactly right. I don't even remember the RVs. I I kind of remember them leaving, but I, I don't really remember them being out there or how many were out
0: there uh, for the North Texas game. Yeah, I don't know either. That's that is. Oh, here it is. Thank you. Um, the RV parking map. So, single game. See, I don't know if this is. Um, I think they had. I don't know what the single game prices are. I think they sold because they're saying it's twenty five dollars for a single game parking pass. Two hundred twenty. It's from fifty to two twenty five. If that's for single game but I guess it makes sense because if you're parking between 10 and 25 for a regular car then yeah 50 to 225 for an RV probably would make some sense I guess yeah I don't that know.
1: makes sense at least for a single game I, that, that does make some sense I guess it just depends on which parking lot and you know the, the you know RV versus parking yeah that it definitely kind of goes game by game or what where you want to go location by location
0: yep so it looks like the cheapest is 50. The most expensive is two and a quarter per game.
1: Okay, gotcha.
0: All right. Um, and then as far as parking for uh, single game, just regular vehicles, uh, it's either from free up to 25. So the most expensive ticket is uh, parking is 25. Two twenty-five seems like a lot of money for a game to park.
1: Yeah, it does. I was just thinking about that too, especially with the
0: RV. Fifty I, seems like a lot of money.
1: Yeah, fifty and fifty. It's like, hey, let's go all together as a family and let's put together this for fifty bucks, and everybody can have a chance to tailgate r- with our RV. That that kind of sense. But uh, yeah, two twenty-five. Maybe if it's overnight, I guess I can understand it. But still,
0: I don't know, man. That's still a lot. I agree with you. All right, uh, it is time for. Our play of the game, our award uh, that we're giving out on Minor Talk, presented by the Oscar Audienta All-State Agency following the game against Oklahoma. Uh, Adrian, what uh, was our play of the game against Oklahoma?
1: So our play of the game, Steve, was the the outstanding uh, career-high field goal or career-long field goal by kicker Gavin Beckley. I'm going to let you listen to
2: it. 26-yard try by Beckley. The kick is up, and the kick
0: is Good. That was the 26-yard field goal.
1: Sorry, they they were mislabeled. Here's the real one. Ball down, kick is on its way, and this time Beckley is good. Go, there you go.
0: Wow. I was expecting, like, John to start screaming and yelling about hitting a (laughs) 54-yard field goal.
1: I guess not, right?
0: All right. Well, anyway, that was our, uh, our play of the game. The 54-yarder from Gavin Beckley brought to you by Spex Wine, Spirits, and Finder Foods. Hey, they are a Texas family-owned destination for selection and savings since 1962. Whether you're watching the U tip game or soaking up the last rays of summer sun, Spex has you covered. With lower prices on Texas's largest selection. And now, our drive of the game is this an easy one?
1: Yeah, this is an easy one, Steve. This was the 10 play 85 yard drive. And really the highlight of this one was a nice Gavin Hardison pass over to Tyron Smith. That set up this uh, Ronald Awa two yard touchdown run. Uh, But this put the miners back into a little bit of contention, made this one a little bit more respectable. Uh, They they were uh, Oklahoma was up 21 to 10 at this point, but nonetheless, Ronald Awa capped it off with a two yard rushing touchdown on his end. uh, And that completed this successful drive again. 10 plays, 85 yards uh, for the Miners, capping off the best drive of this game. So that, that that's your drive of the game presented by the Oscar Adietta Agency.
0: Thank you. Oscar Adietta is the official insurance agent of UTEP football, and they're celebrating 25 years of serving El Paso. Learn more uh, at riseup915.com. 38 past the hour as we continue. So much more to talk about, but first – Let's go ahead and uh, get you ready with ABC 7 News. It's next here on 600 ESPN El Paso. We have uh, Taylor Hines back with us in our Lubingo Studios, the Interim Director of Communications for El Paso Locomotive FC. Second go-around with the club. Good to have you back. How are you today, Taylor?
3: Yeah, thanks for having me, Steve. Good to be back with uh, El Paso Locomotive. Uh, like you said, second run at it. was here in uh, 2018 beginning, so getting to close out a season right now. So really excited. You show up, they win
0: two matches.
3: I, I, it's not me, it's the team. They've been putting in the work every day at training, been going on the road and performing well, and performing well at home too, so.
0: Yeah, I don't want to, for Derek's sake, I don't want to have to go ahead and say, well, you know, Derek left, and you come in, and now all of a sudden the team is hot again, but they are, they're playing much better uh, after having a real rough uh, patch where they fell mm-hmm. to seventh in the in the uh, table in the Western Conference. Now they're sixth, but what's wild about this is that they're playing tomorrow, huge matchup with Rio Grande Valley, and if they win, you were saying they, they could actually go all the way up to fourth.
3: Right, we would take that fourth place spot with a win tomorrow. I mean, Saks in that spot right now. They're playing an Open Cup tomorrow, uh, Open Cup champion actually. And with that win, we jump up to fourth. We'd have them on goal differential, and it's just uh, really exciting stuff to see. And last home match in September, too, for Locomotive tomorrow. So Yeah,
0: it's a big one. And I guess, uh, you know, again, you want to play your best ball at the very end of the season. And since there's a month left, this is exactly what we're talking about right now. Uh, Lucho Solinac has been amazing, and really the spark, as this team just went to Albuquerque and did something they've never done before.
3: Yeah, first uh, win up on the road in Albuquerque at uh, Ice Topes Park. It was great to be there. I was there up in the press box, and getting to see that live and guarantee everybody watching it that was here at home was probably chanting a lot, getting really excited. Uh, good road win, 2-1 Lucho with back-to-back braces across the last two matches, and... Uh, great seeing that spark just ignite at the end of the season
0: i'm with you taylor how do we explain 2022 because if i look at the western conference right now at usl orange county's always been near the top they're at the very bottom right now 13th out of 13 uh rio grande valley's been very good the last few years they're 12th out of 13 uh phoenix rising has been one of the best clubs in usl west they are 10 out of 13 those three clubs i just mentioned are all perennial playoff teams they're even going to make the postseason the way this year has gone that's how that's how topsy-turvy it's been this year in usl
3: yeah you know it's been a really interesting season um got to watch the you know first 70 percent of it i'd say as a fan which is fantastic could see a different perspective and That's what I love about this sport is that anything can change from season to season, game to game. Um, You know, you have 90 minutes, you go out there, and if you walk away with a point, sometimes that's what you need. But anything can change. You can be the best team for 89 minutes. It's that last minute that counts, and Locomotive's really been, you know, consistently playing their style, and really you can see that in these last few matches. 7.30
0: tomorrow against uh, RGV, correct? Uh, 7 tomorrow. Okay, so gates open up an hour before the match. I'm so used to the Chihuahuas. It's like 90 minutes. I'm thinking, okay, so 7 o'clock tomorrow with uh, RGV. And, by the way, it's Noche De Locos replica jersey giveaway night for the first 2,000 fans. Uh, These are sharp. Very sharp.
3: Oh, every year. They're always great. And, you know. Each year I keep expecting to see the next year's one going, okay, nothing can top the one before. Nothing, And, again, it just is such a fantastic piece of uh, locomotive equipment, and I would tell people get there early because they're going to go fast. I mean, first 2,000 fans, and get in line, get your snacks, wait, and get in the door and get your hands on one of those replica jerseys because they are beautiful.
0: It's so interesting, too, because when a Chihuahua's game starts, and I go to the concession stands in the first three or four innings, there will always be a line. When you go to a locomotive match in the first half, if you're hungry and you don't mind possibly missing the only goal scored in the entire uh, 90-plus minutes, you're probably going to go in and and have no weight whatsoever in getting your food because everybody is watching that match, and nobody gets up from their seats until halftime.
3: Right, yeah, it's a beautiful thing, and uh, that's what I've noticed, too. You know, If you walk around the concession and the uh, concourse, about five minutes before kickoff, Mm -hmm. it's pretty empty. You can get through there because everybody's in their seats. They're ready to watch the game. I mean, people are tuned in, and it's such a great atmosphere and fantastic fan base as well.
0: You know, I look at what's happening after today. There is not another home match until October 5th. That's the way the schedule goes because September is a very light month for Locomotive Mm -hmm. FC because they've played more games than a lot of other clubs in in their conference have.
3: Right. Yeah. You know, we um, start off the season with a handful of matches and right now we're sitting at 29 played. A lot of the teams around us are, you know, 27, 26, 28. I think it'll be a good break for the guys, you know, going into this, you know, you your home game tomorrow, get nine, eight days of rest, take to the road to LA, get back, get another nine, 10 days of rest to go, you know, Tampa Bay, you know, yep. an East Coast Conference uh, powerhouse Who's they sitting are. in second right now. And yeah, it would be a good little break for him, I think. Get those uh, tired legs back up to condition and close out the season strong in October at home.
0: And I know that El Paso wants another shot with LA Galaxy, too. That's for sure. Oh, definitely. So um, you look at what's left Colorado Springs and Orange County are the wrap up uh, home matches on Wednesday, the 5th, and Saturday, the 8th of October. Another reason why tomorrow with the Toros is so important is because so many teams have games in hand on Locomotive FC. They have to get these three points just because they're not going to play as many matches the rest of the season.
3: No, definitely. You know, and uh, at training day, everybody was talking that. You know, they're taking each game as a championship game, you know, going into it with everything. And I mean, that's been on display, that fight and that hunger and that drive to get the win, get the three points in every single match. And it's on full display in the matches and at training every single day.
0: What impresses me so much as we continue with Taylor Hines with El Paso Locomotive FC uh, is that crowds have been good. I mean, we're talking consistent six to 7,000 per match, and that's a, that's a good, strong crowd of, uh, of fans that now, with a team on a two-game win streak and the big giveaway tomorrow night for the jersey giveaway, you'll probably get a, a terrific crowd on Wednesday night and really a game you have to have.
3: No, definitely, 100%. You know, we're really expecting it to be a – I mean, it's always a fantastic environment, but I really feel like the energy in the stadium tomorrow is going to be something that nobody in El Paso is going to want to miss. You know, With the giveaway, how the team's performing, uh, like you said earlier, must-have win and yeah. post-match fireworks. It's going to be a really great Wednesday night in El Paso. So Lucho's getting all the
0: credit because he's scoring all the goals. Who are some of the other players that have really been stepping up for this club as of late?
3: Oh, no, definitely. You know, you were speaking of Lucha earlier, back-to-back braces across the two games. But what I've really loved watching is some of our newer players have been coming in. You know, Zacharias is an example. He's been playing some of the best football that he's played all season since, you know, the away game at Colorado Springs, that 4-4 four, four, just stressful watch game. Not going to lie about that, you know, but fantastic football. The team performed um, Calvio, Eric Calvillo is doing fantastic. And Eder Borelli um, put off shoulder surgery. Wow, I mean, it was supposed to be a season-ending injury. Decided, no, talked to the doctors. They said, you can wait to do it. You're just going to be in pain. So he's fighting through that pain every day. He got three assists the other night at home and played phenomenally against New Mexico as well.
0: That's pretty amazing when you think about giving up shoulder surgery just because you want to keep playing. And even when the doctors tell you you're going to be in pain, it doesn't matter. He still wants to do that. It shows you. You know what? You have to be pretty tough to play this sport.
3: Yeah, and I think it also shows the passion for the crest they're wearing. You know, the locomotive crest to them means a lot. You know, it means a lot to the fans. And it's a team that will never give up. They're going to keep fighting and they'll do what it takes to win. They put in the work and. It's really nice to see that they're getting rewarded with the effort that they're putting in.
0: Easiest way to get tickets for tomorrow night, just go online to EPLocomotiveFC.com?
3: Yeah, EPLocomotiveFC.com slash tickets. If you go to our website, there's also a ticket link, individual tickets, season tickets for next season as well. And then you can also call us at 915-235-GOAL, another easy way to do them. We also have our walk-up box office as well. So if you're waiting in line, maybe have somebody hold your spot if you don't have your tickets. Send somebody to get your tickets at the box office and get your uh, Noche de Locos jersey.
0: And go buy them a beer afterwards. Of
3: course. Oh, yeah. If somebody's holding a space for you and you, you get the that. tickets, you have to get them a, a drink after, of course. Absolutely. Hey, it's great
0: to see you back. Thanks for dropping in. Thank you, and uh, looking forward to a big crowd tomorrow. And let's keep these winning ways up for the uh, locomotive.
3: Yeah, looking forward to it. Thanks for having us. You
0: got it. Uh, Taylor Hines with us, Interim Director of Communications for El Paso Locomotive FC. Come back with our final 30 minutes before John Teicher takes over. Bottom of the hour here on 600 ESPN El Paso a rush for you to get us started into hour number 2 of Sports Talk going into that Q2 library. I might be doing a Q2 show. No way. I was talking to Kevin our boss today and I said, "You know, I do listen to a lot of Q2 when I'm driving." I said, "What do you think if I uh if I hosted a weekly show?" And I was told that uh we could talk about it next week. But uh he was he was good with that idea. I thought, "You know, it'd be nice." have a lot. Hey, it's my genre, folks. My genre with that uh, Q2 stuff. So it's right at my. Uh, that's right up my um, my sweet spot, you know, my wheelhouse, so to speak. And uh, who knows? That could be uh, coming soon to uh, KLAQ2, which would be great uh, as we get into our final thirty together. Our telephone number is five zero five six zero zero nine. That's five zero five six zero zero nine. Other stories I want to mention. The wild Pittsburgh-West uh, Virginia ending was, uh, was unreal. The LSU ending was wild. Now, there was some crazy college football that happened uh, over, the, over the weekend. I mean, cra- the LSU-blocked extra point was nuts.
1: That's right. I mean, can you imagine? Brian Kelly, first game, LSU, all this excitement, all this hype, and then they, they come Ugh. back. They were getting killed in that game, by the way. I mean, Florida State had, had really mopped them, and they come back. Jaden, da- JT Daniels, by the way, or Jaden Daniels, I yep. should say, the Arizona State transfer leading them at quarterback – And they get that blocked extra point. I mean, are you serious? After all of that, uh, the Pittsburgh-West Virginia game went back and forth. Houston-UTSA went back and forth. Uh, Michigan-Ohio State was great. uh, Excuse me, Notre Dame-Ohio State was great. And then how about that Florida-Utah game? That was an awesome one, too.
0: That was insane. The interception at the very end when it looked like Utah was going in for the win.
1: Yes, yes. And uh, I love the quarterback Richardson. I mean, I I thought I was going to be anti-Gator all season, but uh, how could you hate Anthony Richardson? That quarterback's amazing. He
0: showed some moxie in that one. And at the very end, do you know who I thought of at the very end of that game? I thought, gosh, Gator Richard is dancing in the streets of whatever part of Far East El Paso he lives in. (laughs) And he's probably saying, I told you guys, I told you guys. Go Gators, they're going to win. You know that's exactly what you were probably thinking at the time.
1: It was. Uh, I was thinking of Napier. I love the play calling. I mean, this is exciting, Florida football. And that play where he's, like, spinning, but he he's, like, in midair and he spins. Mm-hmm. That was the coolest play I've seen. Like, that's a Lamar Jackson type of play, and I loved it.
0: It was wild. Oh, speak of the devil. Here he is, Gator Richard, joining us next on the phone lines. We begin hour number two of Sports Talk. Go Gators! Congratulations!
5: Go Gators, man. You like
0: that? Uh, yeah, I'm sure you didn't like that because you had to sweat it out a little bit at the end. That's that's probably not the way you want these games to end because your blood pressure gets a little high in the fourth quarter. You want a more relaxing blowout win, but hey, man, a W W's a W, and you'll take it.
5: Well, you remember I, I had mentioned those uh, you know, ESPN high-paid analysts that you know were saying the uh, Utah youth are going to go to Swamp and punch Florida in the mouth and all that. Okay. And I when I when I pull up the game stat on ESPN, like right before the game, you know how it shows a little circle, percentage of win. I do. Probability of win. Well, if the Gators are unranked against a number 17 in the nation, how are the Gators a 52% favor against a number 17 yep. in the nation? See what I mean? Okay, I – But beyond that, okay, uh, I I don't know. uh, I mean,
0: listen, you got to just talk. Let's just talk about Anthony Richardson and how good he plays.
5: Well, did you notice a number that Richardson's wearing? 15. Tebow told the Gators, take that number out of retirement and give it to Richardson. Because, you know, Tebow's a giver. You know what I mean? And he knows that this is what it's going to take. To keep quality people around. You know, that NIT Mm -hmm. thing is one thing, but treating treating people the way they need to be treated.
0: You mean NIL? You mean NIL, right? Yeah. NIL. Yeah,
5: that's it. NIL, NIT. NIT.
0: Yeah, it's all the same. It's all the same. That's something
5: that, you know, UCF basketball will hope for, pray for the NIT. Mm. But anyhow, you know what I'm saying? Nice, nice, nice
0: line. Way 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 to hit him right in the crotch after that one. Very nicely done.
5: Well, I mean, I was gonna tell Utah fans, you know, don't fret because the orange and blue they're wearing is the correct shade. They can always take a a, a paper plate, spray paint a circle around it, and then fold that plate in half. Come here, sit down.
0: Um, don't be. Hey hey hey, 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 and hey, and, and, Hey, how old? How old? How old's the little stuff. one, Richard? How old's the little one? Said, she's 15. oh okay Something's I thought she was like on. I thought she was like five the way you said oh come here sit down. it sounds like she's like a five-year-old walking around now she's 15 oh, I don't, okay I don't
5: know what her, yeah well that's how she acts sometimes until she needs something you oh know? my
0: goodness All the right, listen.
5: Paper plate thing yeah. that's a nice way to put a diagonal on there and then a single line through it that way you can you can put in there go gators.
0: Hey, uh, Florida's hosting uh, Kentucky this weekend. That will be the next game. And by the way, uh, right now, Florida's five-point favorites uh, over the Wildcats.
5: Well, that's the other thing is, you know, I'm not worried about this game, honestly. I mean, Gators beat them 30 years in a row. They luck out under the previous coach, okay? And they they uh, they win one at home, which they hadn't done in like thirty two, thirty three years. Um, you know, Kentucky is Kentucky is Kentucky. They're not going to beat Florida two years in a row. That that ain't going to happen.
0: All right, I got it, Rod. Man, I only have twenty minutes left. Thanks to your call, but hey, I appreciate you getting in. Uh, say hi to your fifteen year old daughter for us, and we'll talk to you later. Um, by the way, Kentucky is also one to know. Um, and they've got a good quarterback. They they throw the ball. They're kind of the opposite of Florida. You know, Florida's really about the running game the, and the quarterback there who had three rushing touchdowns this past week. Kentucky loves to put the ball in the air, Adrian. They're all about that.
1: Yeah, and I would be worried about Kentucky early on in the year. That's kind of like a trap game kind of feel right there for a, a team like Florida. Remember, Florida's got to get there. Like, yeah. they haven't won anything in my perspective. They they just want a real exciting matchup uh, that was non-conference, so doesn't really matter when it's all said and done well, but
0: it's Utah and it was a top 10 team let's not just say they beat the uh, true, you know some, some garbage opponent they beat a top 10 club
1: yeah and it was a back and forth effort I yeah. mean having to get getting to win this one when you were unranked that's huge for Florida but at the same time we can't uh, overblow this win for them and say that they're going to coast throughout the season I mean they've got a tough schedule ahead of them Florida this is just one more thing that you could put on your resume to try to make the college football playoff and I think this is one one of those great things that you could put on your resume if you're Florida. Now you have to go out and win the rest of your 11 games, or you know, compete in the rest of the 11 games to try to get
0: uh, to the college football playoff. All right, I right, listen. I appreciate it, and um, all I can tell you is, uh, Richard, that yeah, this Kentucky game should be fun. They win that, and they beat they beat the seventh ranked team in the preseason that came into this, and then the 20th ranked Kentucky Wildcats at home. Now you're talking, right? Now you got something there because Will Levis is a quarterback that can put the ball in the air.
1: Oh yeah, no doubt. I mean, he he stood out in their Miami Florida matchup. Uh, I like Levis. He's somebody who can really stand out for this Kentucky team. And uh, hey, uh, somebody who's a senior as well. He wants to prove it this year, and he wants to sh- uh, show what he could do in the SEC. When have we talked about relevant Kentucky football? I think this is the season to do so with a senior laden team.
0: I'm with you on that one. 11 past the hour as we continue. Our phone number, if you want to weigh in, 505-6009. NFL starts on Thursday night, folks. That's right. Two days away from the start of the football season with the Bills and Rams. What a terrific kickoff. That's going to be coming up Thursday night at 620 when that game gets underway on on NBC. Uh, Cowboy fans, uh, that's also a game that I know a lot of Dallas fans are excited about because it's the Sunday nighter when they host the Tampa Bay Bucks. What a game that's going to be.
1: Yeah, what an offseason it was for Tom Brady leading up to the opening game. Can you imagine retiring, unretiring, coach leaves, or excuse me, coach retires, quote unquote, moves to a uh, senior advisory role within the club. Mm. Uh, you know, you have your offensive coordinator uh, still in the mix. You have Todd Bowles promoted, who is the defensive coordinator, to head coach. And then you go on an eleven day vacation. Well, is it really a
0: vacation? What is his marriage in trouble? Like know. people have been saying. And and I'll be honest with you. They do nobody cares if Tom Brady's marriage is in trouble. They want him just to just to go out there and, and win football games. That's what that's what number twelve does.
1: Yeah, that's true. But what happens if uh, you're talking about like an zero and three bucks team Oof. to start things off? You know, he's trying. He starts second guessing. Did I make the right move? Should
0: I have retired when I had a chance? to? But he did retire. He retired for two months and said it was time to stay with the family. And then all of a sudden, maybe he reevaluated that one. Maybe I don't know what the Brady household's like, but maybe after two months of the family, said I got to get back in this thing. I can't. I can't stay away. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I don't know either, and i I feel like with uh, with Tom Brady, you can't count him out until he's out, right? Every year, True. people try to count him out, try to discredit him. Last year, I was thinking to myself, this has to be the year where we start to see Tom Brady go downhill, and it doesn't happen. I mean, Brady still competed all the way through. He was a, uh, uh, you know, he he even uh, in Tom Brady fashion, he came back against the Rams in that playoff game and nearly, uh, you know, knocked off the team that ended up winning the Super Bowl. So yeah, you can't count out uh, Tom Brady the the Tampa Bay Bucks until they're out, until they're totally a a non-contender.
0: Let's touch on something else. Over the weekend, I watched the uh, untold story on Netflix about manti Tao. Oh, my goodness. Now, I remember when this story broke because at the time – we uh, you know, used to see a lot of dead spin back in its heyday, and that was nothing bigger than that with Timothy Burke and company. And when they broke that story, it was a huge story towards the end of 2012, early 2013. And I remember it like it was yesterday because Chad Middleton was here in those days, and we couldn't get enough of that Manti Teo story. But the more you watch what they did over those two episodes, man, I, I mean, you feel for Manti Teo. Because 10 years ago, catfishing was not very big. Nobody knew what it even was, number one. And number two, social media and and Facebook wasn't nearly what it is today. Adrian, that story just makes you wonder, how did the person that perpetrated that not get put in jail?
1: Yeah, I mean, all these catfish stories are terrible. And this is one of the bad. I-, I watched the first one. Admittedly, I haven't finished the whole, uh, you know, the docu-series. jeez. Oh, uh, but this this one is, is like, tough to watch at times, Steve, because you realize, I mean, everybody made fun of Manti Teo. There were so many, before memes were really memes, there were so many memes out there making fun of Manti Teo's, at the time, quote-unquote, girlfriend. And now when you hear him come out and be vulnerable about the whole situation, tell how it really changed his whole life and really affected his mental health to a whole other level, you, can under, you feel bad for the guy. You know, a decade now removed, and he's out of the league. He has nothing to gain from this. You feel bad for this guy in the way that he was treated by everybody.
0: Well, you have to understand, too, you know, you're know, you in Notre Dame. You pretty much probably could have anybody you want on campus, but he had the, the Polynesian long-distance relationship, and you saw the photos of her, and you realized uh, you know, what she looked like, and then all of a sudden, the craziest thing, the craziest thing, and you'll see this in episode two, is how... Um, um Tuyasisopo, who's the mastermind behind all this, does a female voice that sounds enough like a female voice that you really wouldn't even know it's a male voice. I'm telling you, this is listen, I'm not I'm not the first person to say just go watch Netflix and go watch these shows. But if you subscribe to Netflix and you haven't seen this yet, you need to because it will absolutely make you look at Teo different than anybody did ten years ago.
1: Yeah, that's right. I also think that if you even go into like the cat, the old catfish like MTV show, there are bad ones, right? But then when you watch this first one, this first episode, you understand how bad it could be when it's like to a celebrity, and that's yep. what Matt Teo was. He, you have to understand, like he was a celebrity, a household name. Everybody across America knew him. If you were a football fan or a sports fan, for that matter, and he knew the scandal that he was involved in.
0: It's incredible. So we're working on trying to get Timothy Burke, who used to run Deadspin, to join us on the show. Hopefully, uh, either later this week or next week, and maybe recap some of that because it, it's such an interesting two-part doc. But yeah, definitely check it out if you uh, do subscribe to Netflix. Uh, you'll de- you, trust me when you watch it. You will. Um, it's going to make you. Ju- it's going to blow your mind. Simple as that. Because you start to seeing the extent of what this guy did to Tao, And uh, you you can't just not feel bad for the guy. You really can't. All right. 16 passed. We'll come back. We'll wrap things up right after Charlie won and uh, this traffic update.